Okay, hey guys, it's Morgan. Um, we've got some fun news today. I'm bringing on my first guest onto some sanity. Her name is Ruth Edmonds, and we were brought together um, earlier this year because we both have an interest in this um, new initiative, this new platform um, that's coming out, and, and her and I were connected in that way. And, and once I started hearing her story and, and learning more about her, I was like, Jesus, okay. Um, maybe you and I should have a little conversation on, on my podcast because it's just super inspiring to hear what she has to say. She's very family oriented and faith oriented and um, purpose oriented. I've talked a lot about that with you guys of, of having purpose and intention and living a life of intention. So Ruth is one of those people, one of those women, and she just provides us a lot of great insight um, based on her own experiences and her own hopes for the country. So I, I had her on and I'm filming this now. So I'm going to splice it in, but um, I want to just give you a quick bio from her website. If you go to ruthedmonds.org, um, it's super cute. It says, committed to life and to ending the hateful rhetoric around race, particularly critical race theory. Raised by Grandma Pearl and her late aunt and uncle, Ruth Edmonds has overcome obstacles and risen up to be a leader in her church and a national opponent of the left's attempts to hijack our nation. Ruth Edmonds was one of the first members of her family to earn a college degree. Raised in the inner city of Baltimore, Ruth earned a scholarship to Denison University and worked two jobs to complete her degree. She's the mother of two adult daughters and lives in Upper Arlington, Ohio, with her husband, George. Additionally, Ruth is a former Columbus NAACP president, licensed and ordained minister who serves on the ministry team at the Columbus Christian Center, and a member of the inaugural class of the Club for Growth Fellows, a fellowship focused on pro-growth limited government policies. She's a wonderful woman. Um, I'll link all of her ways that you guys can get connected with her online in the description. But she's on today, and we're going to talk about another um, thing specifically, Freedom Square. And freedomsquare.com is really one of the up-and-coming, I would say, one of the more competitive and, and legitimate alternatives to big tech. They basically call it like a, a commonwealth. It, it is a place where you can safely post all of your content, so all of my Some Sanity content, all of my nonprofits podcasts are on there, all of the long form content, our businesses can be posted on the site as well. It's, it's think big, big picture. We can house all of our creative work on this platform and it is searchable, it is available to everyone and it cannot be deleted is the, the exciting part about it. It's safe from big tech in that way. And I talked to Ruth about this coming up, but one of my biggest struggles is I will make content, film it. It isn't crazy. It isn't radical or anything. And then I go, shoot, I'm going to get flagged for that. And then I have to keep track of like, okay, how many times have I been flagged? And then am I about to get the permanent ban or am I just going to get suspended for a little bit? Whatever it may be, but I'm sick of doing that with big tech. And so now I at least know like if things get worse, if I get my stuff taken away from me, I can at least post my content and intellectual thought and, and, and work that I do onto this platform. So freedomsquare.com, I suggest you start looking at it. I'm still new to it, but it's one of those things where I'm, I'm I feel that it's needed. Okay. And so they, they've got a ton of stuff. I'll talk about it later as well. And I'll keep bringing it up because I, I want to kind of test it out and see how it goes. But I, th I'm really feeling good about this one. Um, and Ruth Edmonds also feels good about it. And that's how we got connected because we were both really interested in it. 
And um, yeah, we're really excited and, and I'm going to bring her on now. So thanks you guys. And here's first guest of some sanity. Oh yeah. Ruth Edmonds. <laughs> you just, let's get started. I would love to hear a little bit about your childhood. We have a lot of younger listeners and so they really like to hear the stories of success and, and how people maneuvered to get where they are in life right now. If we could hear a little bit about that from you. Yeah, that would be, um, I'd love to share my story and I think it's great. I wish that I had heard stories when I was younger. <clears throat> um, I probably would have um, at least anticipated um, certain things and might have um, um, skirted around some things had I, had I heard other story. So I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, the inner city. Um, as I grew up um, being raised by my paternal grandmother, and um, she had nine children. My father was one of them. When my mother passed away, I was five months old. It was due to a house fire. And um, so my father, at the time, I had two other siblings, an older sister and an older brother, three and one and a half years old. So my father wasn't able to take care of us. Um, he just was not stable enough. And quite frankly, my father um, gave in to alcohol. So um, that's what I knew of my father was someone who lived in the city, um, came around every now and then, um, sometimes sober, sometimes very inebriated. Um, but interestingly enough, as a little girl, I always loved seeing my daddy. And um, it, I wasn't always um, excited after I saw my daddy, but the vision that we all, all little girls have of their daddies is just really, really great, which is why fatherhood is so important. Families are so important. Um, so at any rate, uh, my grandmother Pearl raised me and she, uh, you know, she didn't have, um, she wasn't a high school graduate. She wasn't a college graduate. As a matter of fact, she dropped out of school in the fourth grade. She only had a fourth grade education, but she gave my sister and my brother and I values and principles and ethics that, um, you know, you, money can't buy it. And um, I think it went beyond what schools were able to provide. It's what you should get at home. Um, things like um, never forget from where you come from. You may be better off one day, but you're never going to be better than anybody. Own your stuff. You know, she didn't, she didn't allow us to make excuses and never allow um, barriers to be obstacles to your success. So with those um, kind of, with that kind of foundation and knowing that my grandmother was a stern person, you know, um, I, I, I sometimes tell the story that when we would get up in the morning as little kids do, and you think you're on your way to school and you're not, man, you don't really feel like you want to go to school that day. And she, I would say, mommy, I'm not feeling so good. She said, oh, baby, that's okay. You go on to school. And if you're that sick, the teacher will send you home because she understands, she understood the value of an education. And um, even, even back then. So um, growing up in the inner city of Baltimore, having a lot of activity going on outside and around me, I was kind of oblivious to it because I was sheltered and protected in my home, around my family. Uh, we grew up in the church, so I spent a lot of time 
in Sunday school, midweek service, um, um, vacation Bible school. We had community. The church was our community. We could literally walk to church. And I still remember, um, you know, sitting in the balcony of our very old church with the young teenagers um, who we spent time with the choir rehearsal and bowling and roller skating. This was building in me a constitution, an internal constitution for the value of faith in your life, the value of community and others, um, the value of family and, and just being a good citizen. And so, um, you know, with all of that said, that was the great part, but then there was some not so good parts. Like I said, my mother passed away when I was five months old. My father was an alcoholic and I'm a very dark skinned African-American girl. Um, and um, I was very thin and my own peers really bullied me and ridiculed me. I sucked my thumb when I was little, so my teeth were bucked. Uh, my hair wasn't long and silky and pretty. Um, and so I was called all kinds of names, not by Caucasians, because there were none of them around in my community, <laughs> but by my own peers. And so, um, you know, I, I bring that up because in this day and age, when we're talking about racism and, and you know, um, how, you know, we need how um, um, Caucasians are, are villains and brown-skinned people are victims. Well, you know, my story is, if there is such a thing as villain and victim, I was a victim of my own brown-skinned peers. And so you can either be bitter or better. And because of what I had around me, I was able to focus. For me, education became my gateway out of being bullied and being um, you know, treated like I, I, I wasn't worth anything by people who look like me. Um, and so I, um, I took to the books and, and I gained favor with teachers, you know, teachers love when they've got that student who wants, want to learn. And so I was one of those students I graduated from high school in the top of my inner city class and got an academic scholarship to a private liberal arts college in Ohio, Central Ohio. Some people may know it, Denison. I'll get that plug. Um, and so um, I, my goal was to be the next Barbara Walters. I spent four years at Denison. Um, and while I got the academic scholarship, I still had to work in order you know, to earn my room and board. And hard work never hurt anybody and you can work hard through college and still make it. So if any of your young listeners are out there kind of fit in this you know, scenario, there's no shame in that. Work hard, you know, it's worth it. And I graduated on time. I did start working at a television station, but Oprah Winfrey came along when I was, you know, just getting into college and graduating. And I just didn't think at the time that, you know, America was ready for two, you know, really dark skinned, you know, a personality women. That, that was no one's fault, but my own. I don't blame anybody for that. But God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. So sometimes even when we don't, you know, go one route that we thought we would go, um, he really has a master plan and he can, he can reroute things. So 
I um, was working at, a, at this local television station. And um, one day, the local um, vice president of the Columbus NAACP, not NCAA, but NAACP, and for your young audience who may not quite know what that means, it's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Um, there was a time when we're now calling ourselves African-Americans. There was a period when we were Black. Then there was the Negro um, era. Well, when this association was established, um, brown-skinned people were called colored people. At any rate, it's a civil rights organization. It's the oldest and the largest civil rights organization in America. Well, they, the vice president asked me one day while I was working at the television station, he came by and said, what do you do when you're not working? And I said, well, I just graduated from college. And he said, the NAACP needs young people like you. Well, you know, um, I said, okay, well, here we go. Um, and because my aunt in Baltimore had been a volunteer with this organization. So I, um, I volunteered and I was on the board, young and on the board, didn't know what I was doing. I say to your listening audience, if you get the opportunity to serve on a board, um, a community service board or nonprofit board, go for it, learn. It's really important. It's a great leadership opportunity. Um, it's a great way to serve. So I did, and eventually I became the president of that local branch, which is which was a huge thing. I was still in my twenties, and um, but leadership was in my destiny, and um, now I know that. Uh, I've had some really great opportunities in my professional career. I've, I've, I've been a buyer for J.C. Penney. I've worked for um, an attorney um, because I was a paralegal. I have worked for a member of Congress for seven years. I, would, um, I worked for a member of Congress. I worked for the governor of the state of Ohio. Um, I work for a private law firm. I work for a, um, a um, county auditor. So I've worked on all levels of government, local, county, state, and federal. And now I am with a Christian public policy organization. Center for Christian Virtue, and we advocate for public policy that reflects the truth of the gospel. I am in my sweet spot, Morgan. I am where I'm supposed to be. My faith is married with my civic advocacy, um, and it's, it's a wonderful place to be. It's taken a long time for me to get to this sweet spot, and, and, and I see the trajectory of what I'm called to do in the earth, just really taking off. So I say to your listeners, as I wrap this bio up, uh, be patient with the process. Uh, don't give up. You may not understand why you're in different places and doing different things. Um, try to journal, you know, take some notes. Um, don't take yourself too seriously and don't take other people too seriously. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, and He will never lead you astray. I'm really inspired by that, and I, I think a lot of people listening right now probably need that exact advice. I have two questions about your growing up. I think a lot of people, a lot of parents, will come to me and they say, "I don't know what happened. I raised my child in a great Christian conservative home, and as soon as they went off to college, they rebelled and they revolted." They rejected these principles and they never came back to them. Um, do you know 
what was the difference between your experience being raised in the church, being raised in that kind of strong family unit? And what, why do you think that so many kids may be put through a good conservative Christian family these days and then reject those principles as soon as they're free? So let me just um, share some truth. <laughs> um, I wasn't always who I am today. <laughs> and we will all go through our um, prodigal son and daughter moment. We will all do that. Um, and so parents, and I have two adult daughters um, who I tried to raise as best I could in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and they're having their own lives. I'm glad that they know the Lord, and to the degree that they feel comfortable, they're walking with the Lord, um, but we have to have grace for our children. But to your young um, audience, I will say that... Um, you know, we can never say enough to young people or anybody, there is a purpose and a plan in your life and you're not going to be satisfied or at peace until you reckon with that thing, until you spend time with the creator, the manufacturer, the real one, not your mama, not your daddy, but the real manufacturer, the real creator. And when you, until you spend time with Almighty God and allow him to shine the light on what your destiny is, you're just going to be hippity hopping, hippity hopping, being disappointed, being let down, being um, abused, being deceived. And, um, you know, this, this world offers so much. I mean, we're 24-7 now in the world. When I was a little kid, TV actually ended. The, you know, the broadcast day actually had an ending time and a beginning time. Everything is 24-7 now. So there's so much coming at young people that was not coming at me when I was younger. And so there's a whole lot more that your audience, you and your audience have to kind of filter through. And that's why I say, you know, the, the most important thing is to know that you have a purpose and a destiny and that you won't be at peace and you won't be in your sweet spot until you reckon with that thing that you know is tapping on your shoulder right now. That's, you know, swarming around in your belly right now um, and, and get to know what that thing is. Um, and that, you know, then you'll be on the trajectory. Parents, we do the best we can. There's no rule book to this parenting thing, you know? Um, and so just like the prodigal, just like the father with the prodigal son, you know, what we know in the Bible about that, that man, he was a good man. He was a prosperous man. He was a wealthy man. And he had these two sons and one just went astray. But eventually he came back. And so um, there is redemption for young people who, you know, get off the grid, they will come back. But how I know you come back is you get that epiphany that there is a purpose and a destiny. And so um, I, I, I like to give grace, um, given the, 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 the culture that we're in and, uh, and the reminder that there's a great big thing out there that only you can do, just like you're the only one with that DNA, there's something that only you can do and you will not be a piece until you reckon with it and get to business about doing it. 
Yeah. I, I always feel bad for parents that ask me about this because I'm not a parent. I'm 24 um, and I don't have oh. kids yet. And so I, I actually, a lot of my conservative female friends will read books about kids and parenting and stuff, but we don't know. And so that's one of the questions that I'm always curious about, like, how did the conservatives stay conservative through that rebellious phase? Or did they, I, I, I've also heard people, if you ingrain the values in the young age, the kid will probably rebel and then they will be more likely to though to come back to those core values once they're done with their rebellious phase. Uh, something else that you mentioned is just the importance of family that is being attacked so much. I mean, Black Lives Matter had in their platform that they want to dismantle the American nuclear family unit. Uh, sure. We saw it a bunch. I actually at CPAC 2021, I did a panel. It was me, Jack Brewer, Leo Terrell, and uh, Burgess Owens. <laughs> and we were talking wow. about the left attacking what the nuclear family. And so it was these huge like NFL player guys and they are yeah. just like super tall. I'm five feet tall. And so it was the three of them and me on stage. And I was talking about the socialist party's actual agenda where they talk about even proposing like surrogacy systems because they think it's oppressive for women to have to bear their own children. It takes them out of the workplace, all this mumbo jumbo, but that's what I brought to the panel. And then those guys talked about the black community. What are your thoughts on just the left in general, not even just the black community, but their <clears throat> attacking the concept of a nuclear family being the best way to move a society forward. Yeah, you know, there is evil in the earth, um, Morgan, and um, evil looks a lot of different ways. Right now, one of the ways that evil looks and behaves is through um, that, that venue, that mode of um, BLM. Obviously, they've taken a very affirmative statement and cloaked it with some very heinous and insidious um, um, behaviors and, and, and practices and philosophies. And so, um, you know, the reality is, is that brown-skinned people, African-Americans traditionally um, love family. We have these humongous family reunions. Um, there's a movie, there are several movies, um, you know, um, um, predominantly black movies about family reunions and how they how they are. I mean, we get together and there's you know Buki and Uncle Juju, you know, and Nana and Big Mama and Pops. Um, we love family, <clears throat> and so we love each other just like everybody else does. Um, and so for you know the enemy comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. So you come in under the cloak of family. You, you, you start with the thing that you know is closest to our heart and then you play on that, you know, like, like a harp. Um, and, um, and when you're not aware, when you're not paying attention to evil being present, you get sucked into it. And unfortunately, um, a lot of brown skinned people are sucked into that um, by mistakenly associating our identity with the color of our skin. If, um, you know, there are some people who have that, um, I think it's, it, there's a skin, um, I don't wanna call it this ease, but it allow it, it causes blotches and is it a patient or something? No, that's something else. But eventually what happens is your, your skin blotches and it actually, um, it, it will take the melanin out. There are some people who have the skin situation where the melanin leaves their skin. There are brown skinned people who have that. If their whole body were to succumb to that loss of melanin, 
they'd still be who they are. So it's not your, the color of your skin that makes you who you are. It is the content of your character, as Dr. King said, that establishes your identity. And so, um, you know, when I raised my children, I would say, you know, we are, um, at the time, their last name is McNeil. I was married then. We are McNeils. This is how McNeils behave. And a lot of people in their families will say that this is how we behave in our family. Your family structure is your identity. You know, it's not the color of your skin. We know of people who have been um, adopted into families of different, you know, races and ethnic cultures. But once you get in that family unit, that's your identity, not the color of your skin. It, it is a distinguisher. I mean, you know, just like you see the color purple or the color red or the color yellow, it, they're all colors. They're all equally gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. But purple isn't better than yellow, and green isn't yellow than blue. They're just distinctive color, distinctive um, hues on a spectrum. We are a spectrum of individuals. We are, I'm sorry, we're, we're a spectrum of people, humans, human beings. That's our spectrum. We come in lots of different hues. And so when we focus on, on that reality, that we're all humans. And um, we need to, you know, we need to engage from that perspective. What's your humanity? Um, so that's my voice. That's my clarion voice in the atmosphere this day, not to fight against BLM, but to declare the truth of the matter. And that's our humanity is what matters. It's not our hues. We don't say we don't see it because you do. I do see purple. I do see brown. But that's not the distinguisher. I see color and color is wonderful. I see people, I see human beings. Um, and that is how I will engage. And I, I want, um, you know, that's what we need to be putting in the earth to help people get back to center. That's what we want to focus on. I think that really plays well into moving forward, bringing people together in a healthy way and seeing each other in a healthy light, communicating in a healthy light. Uh, you and I were brought together because of freedomsquare.com. And uh, I really, I don't know about you, I'm not really into the whole conservative movement stuff, the mm-hmm. all, all that, the political mm-hmm. movement of it. I prefer to, I do my mm-hmm. work and it can be related to the, mm-hmm. some of the work in the conservative political movement, but I like to be my my own little self over there mm-hmm. off in the distance. And, and so when I got the call from, uh, Gorka and Tom and, and the rest of them, and they were kind of telling me about the this vision, uh, I was really excited by it. And I want to talk to you about that because I just have some questions about the issues that we're facing today. And I'm kind of curious how you got interested in also being a part of the team and, and just being on Freedom Square to begin with. Can you give a background on that and how it relates to the work that you do and what inspired you to want to focus on these issues? Sure. Um, I met Tom. Um, actually, he came to a um, event that was being hosted for me, um, and he heard my message um, that we are more united than we are divided in this country, and that Caucasians are not um, villains and brown-skinned people are not victims. Um, and he and my and the message resonated with him. And so later. He and, uh, and the event that I was at, um, 
former um, ambassador, U.S. ambassador, Ken Blackwell, who's also from Ohio and former secretary of state, former treasurer here, was at this event. And so um, Tom connected with Ken and, um, and then he called me, Tom called and said, we're working, we, um, we're launching this new digital commonwealth. And I was like, okay, that's a new phraseology. I'm not really sure I have a picture, <laughs> a mind picture of what that might look like. And he said, it's a, it's a portal where freedom loving Americans can access um, information and podcasts and, and interactive forums and news releases that are, you know, that, that, that are focused around um, the constitution and, and um, um, freedom and patriots. It's where patriots and freedom loving Americans can find their news and their information. Um, that's not filtered and you can't be canceled on this platform. And I said, yeah, that's really great because this, the, the space where I operate in, it's, there, it's in a space of Christians who are also you know, a patriots. They love this country. They love God. They love their family. And a lot of times they will ask me, where do I go to get good information? And you know, everything is just so skewed and I don't want to be, you know, you know, media is, is liberal and I want, I want some truth that resonates with my faith values, with my constitutional um, beliefs. And this platform, this digital platform brings all of the um, conservative, pa uh, patriot, um, media platforms and communication platforms together so that a person who is looking to educate themselves, to equip themselves, to become engaged in our culture can find that information in one spot rather than having to search the internet all, you know, all day long and question whether or not, I'm not sure, is this what I'm looking for, is that? So a lot of people, this is this platform, freedomsquare.com is really for those who are beginning to research and search and, and really find those, those information portals that are consistent with their beliefs and their values and their principles. It's helpful to them because we've done the work, freedomsquare.com has done the work of bringing it together so people don't have to search all over. It's almost like going to your public library and asking your reference librarian for information on a topic. And this reference librarian knows it all and they give it to you. Well, that's kind of what freedomsquare.com has done. It's like your reference librarian, but on a digital, on a digital website. Yeah, no, I, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, I remember when they were explaining it to me, I really like it because I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not a Twitter person. I'm, I'm not a short form, sassy one sentence that doesn't really achieve anything kind of thing, but maybe goes viral. I just can't do it. It doesn't work in my brain to come up with the sassy sentences. I'm a long form content person, a discussion, conversational kind of person. And, and so my big concern, I run a nonprofit called Young Americans Against Socialism. So we have uh, survivors of socialism podcast where we interview people from both socialism and communism. And 
just last week, for example, we interviewed a woman who escaped Chinese labor camps uh, mm-hmm. and now she's she's safe, but she tells some pretty gruesome stories and they get flagged all over the place by YouTube and Facebook and uh, Instagram. And so every time now, whether I'm putting educational 501c3 nonprofit content onto the internet or I'm putting my pro-family, pro-constitutional, pro-federalism, basic right. principles of like how to fight the mandates with federalism, that right. kind of tutorial now, I have to put that out and wonder, oh, is that going to, is me saying this going to get in trouble? And I don't know if you feel this way. Right. Every time I put content out now, I go, am I going to get flags? And then have I reached my number of flags that I'm allowed? And then I'm going to get officially banned. It's wild to me because I'm not a radical. And so all of that happening, especially over the last year, it made me just very desirous of, of a place where I can record and put my content where it's not going to be randomly deleted. And and we see it with Project Veritas. James O'Keefe had 1 million followers on Twitter and Twitter was a big avenue for him to be putting that kind of stuff out. And it's a big influence for his entire nonprofit. And to see his sure. account just randomly deleted one day was like, yeah. wow, wow, that is, that is life work right there. Years wow. of work, years of your intellectual property that yeah. you're putting out there, all of your smarts and your thoughts yeah. and the work that you're yeah. doing. And it's just erased one day. And so first of all, I'm a big believer in building things in reality, not just on social media because it can get deleted one day. But when we do want to talk about it's 2021, we've got to be in the digital space. We've got to be online. At least we know if we film something that maybe the left says is wrong think or controversial, we're going to be safe to put those thoughts and those, you know, debates and arguments on the issues onto a platform yes. where we're not going to be erased one day. And so that's what I really love about it. Uh, and and I, I would think about it all the time. I'm like, should we just be writing books? Because it would be easier for them to burn <laughs> all of our books. And it would like, they would have to burn our books if they wanted yes. to get rid of the thoughts in those papers, but now they could just erase us online. And it's a much more pleasant view than like taking all of the books out of a home and burning them. And so I'm like, do we need to be printing and actually writing everything that we think these days? Because right now in the digital space, it could just be deleted. Um, So that's why when Tom told me about this, I was like, yes, because I know I personally need a space for my things to go and live. And so now all of the nonprofit stuff, all of like some sanity, this podcast and all of the work that I do in the future is already living there. And so I just feel this sense of comfort knowing that we're building, we're, we're growing as a movement in the sense that we lacked the infrastructure. And now this is a really great step for us. And it's for, it's not just for like podcasts, it's videos, businesses, if they want to just home their business on that site, because Uh right now, big tech is ripping the rug out of under, out from under so many businesses. And it's really a shame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love, um, you know, your perspective of the value of this digital commonwealth. Um, So, you know, from the creators, you know, from from, um, the imaginators, the creators um, of of content, um, this is a, this is a great platform because um, you would be able to share your information and it be, archive, yeah, for sure, in this space. Um, And then if you are a user, you know, one who wants to come and find um, information and content, um, you can find it. This is a great place. So yeah, this freedomsquare.com is like your local public library. You know, public libraries are repositories. They are archives um, as well. And so 
it, it, in, instead of it being a brick and mortar, it is on a digital platform. And, um, you know, there's a website. It's real simple, freedomsquare.com. And um, Freedom lives here on freedomsquare.com. And I think it's wonderful because young people um, have, you know, you've grown up with the internet. You've grown up with this platform, um, this, um, you know, computers and, 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 and internet um, all of your lives. You've never known a time when it didn't exist. And so it's much easier for um, um, your generation um, to uh, kind of transition and pivot to, to this. And as you're putting out, you know, I'm, I have a Twitter account and I'm just beginning, just beginning to use it. I started using it probably in June. Um, and and I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I don't tweet a lot. You know, I'm, I'm using it to put wisdom out there. And um, I'm like you, I, I don't wanna, you know, I, I, can't, I can't get into, um, you know, too much of the political. And that, I say that, and, and a lot of people would look at me and go, really, Ruth, you're just a political animal. Well, not really. Really, you know, I'm all about good government. That I am. And you can't have good government without, you know, being politically um, alert and aware. Um, but um, I'm, I'm not one of those, you know, um, groupies who, you know, just hang on, you know, to party affiliation. Um, I'm a groupie of, of, of the word of God. Now that I will hang on to. But um, I, I do love this, this platform. And I think it's good for, again, both the creators of content and the users um, of, that, of that content. Um, so there's something there for everybody. So have you ever tried to Google search some things and yeah. see what comes up? A, a lot of this, it doesn't necessarily have to be CCC or CCP style uh, control of information and and black out it blacking out of textbooks. Uh, a lot of the big tech companies will just make it a little bit harder for us to even find people online find or sure. to find information. And controlling the ability to access information is really the mm -hmm. tricky thing here. So that's what I liked about it. And Tom had pitched it to me. He's like, we're gonna have historical documents available for people to read. And he was telling me about yeah. it and I'm like, oh, okay, the history nerd in me is starting to like this a lot. Yeah. Um, but but what, what concerns me, a lot of people just aren't aware of how much everything is manipulated online and how they aren't just getting access to the people that they want to follow. I know some people that are, you know, flagged, for example, mm -hmm. on Instagram, um, just for maybe talking about Black Lives Matter being bad and saying that, you know, we mm -hmm. need to focus on community instead mm -hmm. of relying on government during these hard times in 2020 and 2021. And that's threatening to, apparently to Instagram. Yeah. So you can t go to the search bar, type in mm -hmm. their full handle. And usually what happens is you type in the first couple letters, right? If you mm -hmm. looked up Morgan Zeggers, M-O-R, mm -hmm. And my name will be probably on that suggested list of, of who you can look at. But some people in the, in the movement now, you type mm -hmm. in their full name and it mm -hmm. doesn't show up. And then you have to click search and then it mm -hmm. shows up. And so I always think of it as, like you said, the people that are just starting to pay attention yeah. to this stuff, the people that are yeah. just getting into it, they're not getting a fair shake because they yeah. can't even fairly access they don't know how to navigate both sides. So yeah. they deserve to be able to just look up a name and learn sure. the basics on it without manipulation of data. Uh, so, so I like what you said there um, for yeah. sure. Are you excited about anything specific on the platform that like I should look into and that we should all look into too? 
Well, you know, I, I love the podcast um, and, and none in particular, but I, you know, I drive a lot. And um, so, you know, I'm always um, interested in listening to, you know, uh, different viewpoints and, and, and um, that are, you know, consistent with mine. Uh, but, and so I love the podcast feature. And I really look forward to the business, the marketplace feature opening up because, as you said, um, you know, the big box companies have really um, just pulled the rug out from underneath small businesses, which are the, um, the backbone of this country. And so I really look forward to um, businesses, small-owned businesses, to begin to, um, you know, advertise there. Because if I'm in, let's say, if I decide to go to Nashville, Tennessee, and I want to support businesses that are, you know, that are, um, you know, faith value conservative or, you know, patriotic, um, I can, I can look up, you know, it'll be, I could search by, you know, city, state, and, and that's really, really good. It's going to give those small businesses another um, venue um, because, um, you know, not only has COVID just, you know, done a number, but these big box companies too, and it's un-American, quite frankly, and we have to, um, we have to know those things that make us America, small businesses, strong families, freedoms, you know, of religion, you know, first and second, you know, um, um, amendments, uh, we have to know what, what's the heartbeat, and then we have to protect those things. Um, and uh, so those are the two pieces that I'm really looking forward to. And again, a lot of that is because I'm already, you know, I'm kind of an old hat in a way in this, but I can only imagine as someone who is just beginning to wake up, you know, we talk about people being woke when, when they're waking up and they get to this platform, it's like finding gold, you know, finally there's a place where I can, you know, really um, um, become equipped and educated and resourced and I don't have to spend, you know, from sunup to sundown trying to weed through the garbage um, and still maybe not find what I'm looking for. It's here on freedomsquare.com. I'll say, you guys, this this podcast, all my work is now on freedomsquare.com. Um, and I'm just really appreciative. I, I, I think it goes unnoticed sometimes the amount of effort and work and money and, and resources are put into trying to build competitive platforms mm -hmm. with big tech and trying to come up with these solutions. It takes time. And a lot of people mm -hmm. are wondering where the heck are our solutions? Where the heck are the yeah. conservative alternatives? Uh, this first of all, isn't just a conservative alternative. It's, it's just a free space for everybody to be able to have their stuff on the platform, which I think is great as a resource. But a lot of people are working behind the scenes to make these kind of things happen. So that's why I like to talk about them. Uh, I'm on Getter as well. I know a lot mm -hmm. of us are trying to support these other platforms. So I'm on mm -hmm. Getter and then freedomsquare.com is really where I, I'm on Rumble as well. But uh, the long form content can actually be home or housed and, and can live on freedomsquare.com. So I think that's great. Um, Ruth, do you have any other like closing thoughts that you want our listeners to hear, whether about just your vision for what you do in your own work. And I, first of all, I love what you do. And uh, mm -hmm. then for Freedom Square. 
Um, I, again, I want to thank you, Morgan, um, and um, some sanity um, listeners for just the opportunity to share a little bit of wisdom from somebody who's got a few years under her belt. Um, it's always good to still be, um, you know, um, asked to come on and talk. Um, you know, I love it when my young people, when my daughters call me, you know, it makes me feel good. But um, thank you all. Um, you know, we're in a wonderful time in our nation. We really are. We have a, this is a great time um, to be able to stand for um, freedom, to stand for liberty, to stand for family, to stand for God. It's important for us to do that. And even though the circumstances that bring us to this are not good, the fact that we are standing and we are declaring the world is watching us. And um, this, you know, the generation Z's and X's and Y's, um, this is your time to shine. You are um, incredibly powerful. And I just encourage you to not um, shrink back. Um, I encourage you to take full advantage of all of the new nuances that this, our society um, is bringing to bear. Um, and, um, you know, just, con you know, just continue to, um, to recognize that you are living in the greatest country on the earth and you have the best opportunity anywhere um, to um, actualize your, your destiny. I appreciate you, Morgan, for doing what you're doing here. Um, I encourage everyone to, you know, check out freedomsquare.com. And in your free time, if you want to check me out, I'm on the web at ruthedmonds.org. And I do have a Facebook page, Ruth Edmonds, and I have a Twitter, um, Ruth Edmonds, um, E-D-M-O-N-D-S. And um, I would love to, to have you and your listeners, um, you know, watch me and follow me and um, share information and I'll push it out as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I, I think it's really important that we find solutions to big yeah. tech, and this is definitely going to be a big one for us. So thank you. Thank you. All right. And with that, thanks for listening, you guys. I hope you go check out freedomsquare.com and then also go look up Ruth Edmonds. She's on social media, as she said, and I'm going to link all of her stuff in the description. But if you haven't yet, rate this podcast five stars, baby. And also, if you don't say that this is the best podcast you've ever heard in your whole life in the reviews, then you're dead to me, people. Kidding. But please do that. Okay. Thank you. Have a nice day.